to whoever will come. This church opens wide her doors and offers welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Mark 8, 27 through 30. It should be up on the screen. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. I'm going to ask Billy Glosson, our lead pastor, to come forward. Let's pray for him and each other as we uh, prepare to sit under the word this afternoon. Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm so grateful for this past week, this time that we got to spend um, reflecting on Advent and, and Christmas story and um, with family or friends or however we each chose to celebrate it. Lord, I'm most glad that you brought us all back together and that um, as we kind of continue on through this season and into the new year that we can keep those truths in our heart. Um, I pray that as we sit under the word today that we would have open minds and hearts, Lord, that you would directly challenge us and encourage us where it is needed. For Billy, Lord, give him a heart that is wise, a mind that is patient, and Lord, give him discernment as he goes through the word this morning. I pray that we would all remember the gospel and everything that uh, you speak through him. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So every year, Christmas, yeah, you can just set it wherever. Christmas comes and goes really, really quickly. It seems like no sooner that we get the tree up, the ornaments are coming off. And uh, I don't know, it, it feels like it's weird. Like it just feels like it was Thanksgiving like a week ago. And now all of a sudden, we're feels like done with Christmas. That might be part of the reason that Hannah and I have gotten so into the whole idea of the 12 days of Christmas, I'm not going to lie, um, which is historically correct, just so you know. So we're all celebrating Christmas wrong when we pack everything up on the 26th. So stop failing your families, okay? Um, no, I'm kidding. But the, the point is we, we really want to try and like just somehow get as much Christmas as we can out of the holiday. So a couple uh, weeks ago, Hannah hatched this plan of like, here's how we're going to get the most out of Christmas. And it involved everything from us doing uh, this Polar Express night where we rode on a, uh, a bus that was the Polar Express. It totally worked. It didn't. Um, and then driving around looking at Christmas lights and doing everything we could, you know, sipping cocoa, eating Christmas cookies, decorating, everything you can think of. And it was in these moments that I realized this, that every year I try to recapture the grandeur of my childhood Christmases. Somehow I, I just try to make it work. And, and, and all the while I seem to forget who Jesus is. Every year. This season of Advent and Christmastide, it's one of remembering who Jesus is. And I begin to wonder, when people observe the way I celebrate Christmas, what does that say about Jesus? Does it say that he is my treasure? Does it say that he's my hope? You see, every year we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but who is he to you? Who is Jesus Christ? Who have you proclaimed him to be? How do you see yourself in light of the gospel? We catch this picture here of what we just read from Mark chapter 8, that on the road from Bethsaida to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks his disciples two questions. Who do people say that I am, and who do you say that I am? And the responses to such questions concerning Jesus' identity have been minied and varied throughout the centuries. Both, yes, in Jesus' day and today, people have always been at odds about Jesus. It's the most important question people could ever ask of themselves because their response determines their destiny, both in this life and the one to come. So let's kind of just take a look real quick 
at what people said. So reading this, it says, and, and, and who do people say that I am? And, and immediately some different answers come out. And there are two accounts of this, both in Mark and Matthew. They said, well, some people think that you're John the Baptist. Now, if you don't remember, John the Baptist got his head cut off, right? Not good. So people think, oh, well, Jesus is just John the Baptist reincarnate. Okay, well, that's bad theology, but that's what people assumed. Or maybe he's not John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elijah, right? Because Elijah is supposed to be a forerunner for the Messiah. So maybe this is another forerunner. No, maybe he's Jeremiah or one of the other little minor prophets. Some people actually didn't say any of these things. In fact, the Pharisees said he was Beelzebub, right? Well, that's bad. You don't want to say Jesus is, you know, the prince of demons, but they did. Some people thought he was mentally deranged, right? As per Mark's gospel, Peter says, no, you're none of these things. You're Christ. You are the Christ. Or as Matthew says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, which means anointed one. He was the long-anticipated one that Israel had been pining for, longing for, to free them from captivity. Again, Israel has time and time again just failed God over and over and has found themselves in bondage and captivity. And now they're anticipating and waiting for the Messiah, the anointed one, right? And as Peter adds in Matthew, in Matthew 16, he says, you're also the son of of the living God. And he's God's son, as we looked at last week, in a unique sense. He's both fully God, fully man. He's not like any other human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. And this same confession was on the lips of others throughout the gospel. Nathaniel says this when he's sitting under the tree and he's pontificating and he's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? He goes, talks to Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, you were just sitting under the tree doing this. And he's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's like, if that's what you're stoked about, is that I know what you were just doing, just wait till you see what's coming. He was also, this was also confessed by Martha and John and others. See, the thing is, though, not only did this happen in the New Testament, where there were different opinions, different thoughts about who this Jesus was, and a few people who followed him, who declared that he was the Christ, this happens today. Because the the identity of Jesus is just as diverse today for many. Right? What do people say today? Well, some people will say simply, bluntly, that he's a fabrication. Right? Some people will even say that, that there was no such thing as Jesus of Nazareth. Right? There are skeptics who deny that he ever even existed. Now, history points to the undeniable truth that, yes, Jesus indeed existed. Most people acknowledge that he was a real, actual figure, but they think that the mythology of everything that he did, walking on water, healing the sick, that's not true. Some people will say, well, no, it's not that, you know, he's a myth. It's just that he's a good man, right? Many people say he's, he's a good man, right? He's, he's a lot like Gandhi, right? He's a really good guy. You just look at Jesus and, you know, he's like the buddy Jesus that you just want to give a hug and like hang out with. But the Bible does not leave us with this option of just saying that Jesus is a good guy. C.S. Lewis has a famous quote where he says, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So some people will say, well, you know, he's not real. Maybe he's just a good teacher. Or they'll say, well, he's a prophet. 
Right? Some people believe that he's a prophet of God, not the son of God. Specifically, this is what the religion of Islam teaches us, that Jesus was a forerunner for Muhammad. And that is not the case. Because as many of us have seen, he's not a fabrication. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just some guy. He's not just a prophet. He's more than all of that. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. As professed by Christians today, and to them, he is so much more than this. When I try to think about Jesus, when I try to sit down and just ponder who he is, probably the most helpful thing that has ever, ever really been spoken to me about Jesus is this picture of him in the book of Revelation. Bruce Thielman says this. He says, how do you see Jesus? I see him as the book of Revelation sees him. I see him riding on a white horse. His vesture is dipped in blood. And on that vesture and on his thigh is a name so holy that none of us can know. And behind him, riding are the legions of heaven. First come the enemies he has defeated, sin and death and principalities and powers. Then behind him, also enrobed in white, Moses with the multitudes he led out of Israel. Joshua with the legions he led in to take the land of promise. Gideon and his 300. Elijah with the 7,000 who had not yet bowed their knee to Baal. Peter and the thousands who responded to his preaching. Paul and the scores who came to Christ through his announcement of the gospel. And behind them, behind them, the lame and the halt and the blind and the old and the young and the rich and the poor. And then the great missioners of the church, the great gospel heralds to all the world they come. Representatives of every tribe and people. And they come regiment by regiment, and army by army, and legion by legion, all behind this one who wears crowns and crowns, and whose word is of such power that it is like a two-edged sword from his mouth. And they follow and they cry out, He is the King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of life. He is the King of death. He is the sovereign of life after death, Christ the victor, Christ the imperial, Christus victor, Christus imperator. This is the Messiah that we celebrate. This is who Jesus is. He, he's not a myth. He is not just some simple man who gave us good teachings. He's not a prophet. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the author of life. He is the perfecter of our faith. He is the amen. He is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end, the almighty, the firstborn over all creation, the good and great shepherd, the great high priest, the head of the church, the great I am, the image of God, Emmanuel, the hope of glory, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lord of glory. He's our great God and savior. He's our peace, our righteousness, the Passover lamb, the son of David, eternal life, the cornerstone. He is Jesus. And this year, thinking through this, just realizing how numb I am, how dull my heart can be as I'm captivated by things, captivated by meaningless moments, I'm reminded again by simple songs of the glory of our King. I was sitting at my house, we had the TV on, and um, the Hallelujah chorus came on, which we all, you know, we'll joke and we hear, we almost make it meme-worthy, right? You know, ha! Hallelujah. I'm not going to sing any more than that. Just listen to what it says, though. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world 
has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings, forever and ever. Hallelujah. I sat at night just crying by the glow of my Christmas tree at the thought of who this Jesus is. The second is a song that's much more obscure. It's from my favorite band. They're called My Epic, and they have a song called Lower Still. And it's a song that talks of the gospel, speaking of the humility of Jesus, how Jesus descended and went low for us. And I debated. I thought, you know, maybe I should play it for people, but I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be the guy that ever plays movie clips or songs. Instead, I'm just going to read it to you, and I pray that it stirs you as it did me. This is what it says. It says, look, he's covered in dirt. The blood of his mother has mixed with the earth, and she's just a child who's throbbing in pain from the terror of birth by the light of a cave. Now they've laid that small baby where creatures come eat like a meal for the swine who have no clue that he is still holding together the world that they see. They don't know just how low that he has to go lower still. Look, now he's kneeling. He's washing their feet, though they're all filthy fishermen, traitors, and thieves. Now he's pouring his heart out, and they're falling asleep. But he has to go lower still. There is greater love to show. Hands to the plow. Further down now, blood must flow. All these steps are personal. All his shame is ransom. Oh, do you see? Do you see just how low he has come? Do you see it now? No one takes from him what he freely gives away. Beat in his face. Tear the skin off his back. Lower still. Lower still. Strip off his clothes. Make him crawl through the streets. Lower still. Lower still. Hang him like meat on a criminal's tree, lower still, lower still. Bury his corpse in the earth like a seed, like a seed, lower still, lower still. The earth explodes. She cannot hold him. And all therein is placed beneath him. And death itself no longer reigns. It cannot keep the ones he gave himself to save. And as the universe shatters, the darkness dissolves. He alone will be honored. We will bathe in his splendor as all heads bow lower still. All heads bow lower still. Many of us hear these truths of this baby who came to live among us a perfect life that none of us could aspire to live, who heals the sick, raises the dead, gives the blind their sight. Then he died the death that was brutal, that none of us could even bear thinking about the weight that Christ bared. And then he conquered Satan, sin, and death through his resurrection. We hear these truths and we leap in our hearts, yet while we celebrate, we forget the implications of identifying Jesus as our Lord. Many of us have clouded out the voice of the, of the Holy Spirit to embrace and hear the voice of condemnation. I talked about this a few weeks ago. This idea that we don't hear the voice of conviction, which calls us out to be a son or daughter of the living God, but instead we hear the voice of condemnation that says, you're terrible, you're not good enough, you don't do enough, you don't read your Bible, you're the worst. 
If we say that Jesus is Lord, if our hearts have been regenerated, then let me remind you of who you are in Christ. One, you are a child of God, John 1.12. You are a friend of Jesus, John 15.15. 15. You have been justified, Romans 5.1. You have been united with the Lord and are one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. You have been bought with a price. You belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20. You are a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12.27. You have been chosen by God and adopted as his child, Ephesians 1.3-8. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. You are complete in Christ. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. You have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. You are free from condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2. You cannot be separated from the love of God. Romans 8, 28. You are free from any condemning charges against you. Romans 8, 31 and 34 and you have been established, anointed, and sealed, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. You are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3, 1, and 4, 1 through 4. God started this work in you, and he will bring it to completion. Philippians 1.6, you are a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, you are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. 1 John 5.18, you are a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and a channel of his life. John 15.5, you have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. John 15.5, 1516, you are God's temple. 1 Corinthians 316, you are a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, you are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 6, you are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2, 10, you can approach God with freedom and confidence, not because of your obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience. Ephesians 3:12. And finally, when you are faithless, He will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13 If you have been believing lies, if you have been hearing nonsense from the enemy for a long time, I want you to hear a lot of verses. I know that's a lot because all of it's true. And all of us forget it over and over again and again. And we believe the lies of the enemy. We think, oh, God's abandoned me. He's forgotten me. He's right here with you right now. He's not left you. Don't let the lies of the enemy slip into your heart and in your mind. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Claim him as Lord. Because at the end of the day, we rest on the love of God demonstrated at the cross, even if, catch this, even if we cannot see how it's being manifested at the moment in our circumstances. Satan's most effective weapon is to take our eyes off of what God has declared over us in the gospel. So tonight, simply, we have seen what people said about Jesus. We saw what they said during his earthly ministry. We've seen now, right, by atheists, agnostics, skeptics, and believers. But the question today, this evening, is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because your answer will determine your eternity. Your answer will determine how you live today. Your answer determines your identity. 
Looking back in college, I remember there were multiple times I had doubts. You know, am I really saved? Do I really, do I, it, 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 is, do I really belong to God? Am I really his? I had a lot of doubts. I didn't have assurance. I read this in the book called Gospel Wakefulness by Jared Wilson, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, if you were to ask me today, when I was saved, I would answer not entirely humorously about 2,000 years ago. Indeed, because I have been predestined for salvation by the one who foreknew me before I was born or had done anything good or bad. And because the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, I don't need the security of the, of the date of my new birth. I need only the security of knowing he whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to safeguard my life through all eternity. Again, I kept putting the onus on me. Is my performance enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough in your sight, Lord? Can I be found pleasing? And I forget that when, Jesus, when God looks at me, he doesn't see all of the wrong and right I've done. He sees the perfect, spotless lamb in my place for my sins. I am clothed in his righteousness. My prayer is that tonight you would join with Peter and the countless others and confess to Jesus, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. I mean, why not confess Jesus now as we obey the gospel of Christ? Because we will either confess him now or we will confess him later when it's too late because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Advent, Christmas tide, it isn't something we participate in only once a year. It's a season that we perpetually live in. We celebrate the gospel, the death burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, and we long for and await his return. Not just on Christmas Day as we give gifts to one another and celebrate the greatest gift ever, but this day and every day we cry out, come Lord Jesus return, for he has given us so much in the gospel, and we worship and we celebrate and we long. I pray that we would live our lives for the story and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this, that our hearts would echo what the Puritan John Owen wrote. Oh, to behold the glory of Christ. Herein would I live. Herein would I die. Hereon would I dwell in my thoughts and my affections until all things here below become as dead and deformed things and in no longer any way calling out for my affections. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you And we are a people who forget so easily the hope of the gospel. We are so ready to numb our brains and minds and hearts with any fleeting entertainment we can get a hold of. We're so ready to just get through reading scripture, get through everything so that we can get through our day and we just forget who you are. You are the hope of the world. You are the ruling and reigning king of kings. Oh God, forgive us. Call us back to you. May we hear tonight the voice of conviction over and above the voice of condemnation. Would it call us and compel us back to you, Lord Jesus? Would we see all that you've done and would we marvel and wonder Thank you, God, for your great gift. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.